Hey, listen, I, I want to talk to you today about, about a subject that, that is probably some, somewhat all of us can learn to grow in, and that's, that's, the, that's the area of patience. Um, you know what? I don't think any of us were born with patience, right? Uh, so if you've been around, like, like for us, grandkids or young children, then you know that, that, you know what? They aren't born with patience. Fact is, they are born with, like, impatience. And, and so they, they want whatever they want, and they want it now. I mean, five minutes to wait for them is like eternity. It's like, you're, it's like, it's like slow death. It's like, it's just like this horrible thing. And so the Scriptures talk a lot about this issue of patience. It's not only a sign, what the Scripture says, of emotional maturity, but also spiritual maturity. What, what Paul begins saying in Galatians is, it's just a fruit of the Spirit. And so we've been in this series called The Fruit of the Spirit. And so I've told you that I believe the fruit of the Spirit is, is one, is love. And then it expresses itself or has eight different characteristics. And so this is one of them. So I'll, I'll just give you the list again. It's not going to come up on the side screen. And then we're going to look at James chapter 5, verse 7 through 12. And we're going to unpack this area of patience. Because I, I think this is one of the areas I, I know for me and maybe for you that, you know what, there's some areas that we say, you know what, we could all grow in in this area. And so the fruit of the Spirit is, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, which we're looking at today, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. In other words, there's not a law against patience. There's not a law against kindness. And then in the book of James, we're going to take the book of James, James chapter 5, verse 7 through 12, and in, in just walking verse by verse, James helps us to understand how to develop patience. Now, listen, if you're new to Christianity, you're like new to the Bible. Uh, I, remember, I remember those days when I was like new to the Bible, and, and I still remember I met Christ, and I met Christ in the Bible Belt. And so in the Bible Belt, if you know anything about the Bible Belt, uh, they carry big Bibles to church, right? And so you got to have a Bible. And so, uh, so I go to church, and I didn't really. Uh, fact is, it, it was like a, it was like, my, it was like a Bible that my aunt had given me. It was like a children's Bible. I didn't know what to bring, and it was a big one. And so I brought it, and the, and the pastor said, hey, turn to, to John chapter 3. I didn't even know where John was. I didn't even know that there was a table of contents. And, and I still remember someone next to me reached over, grabbed the Bible, said, here, I'll find it for you. And I, I still remember being embarrassed by that. Listen, if you're new to Scripture, I, I understand that feeling. You don't need to be embarrassed by that. Uh, we, are, we are glad you're here. And so you can get Scripture, whether it's old school like in my day, was it like a leather-bound Bible. Uh, you can get that on version and, and click it on your phone. If not, the Scripture's going to come up on the side screens as we watch through the, walk through this. So James is, is a book in the Bible. Its counterpart would be like the Old Testament book of Proverbs. In other words, it's just very, very practical. And James, in a very practical method, helps us to understand how to develop patience. So here's what the Scripture says, and then we're going to unpack it and take communion together as a church family. So he starts off, verse 7, be, be patient. That, that's an imperative in Scripture. In other words, that is, that is a command. He says, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, be patient about it. Until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Another command. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another's brothers. So that you may be judged. May not be judged. Behold the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience. Brothers take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold we consider those blessed. Who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. You have seen the purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. This morning, I want to I talk to you about how to develop patience in your life. 
Now listen, James is just so practical. This, this is just so easy to preach. This is just so easy to walk through. James, in a, in a, in a very concise manner, a very directed manner, he helps us understand when to be patient, why to be patient, and then very practically how to be patient. In other words, he helps us understand this issue of patience in our life. And so the first thing that we're going to look at, we're going to look at this issue of when to be patient. Because I think that's something we need to understand. James is not saying, the scripture is not saying that we should be patient at all times. In other words, if there's something in your, that you have the means, the ability to change, to control in your life, to change a behavior, to change a word, to change an action, then, then, then you should change that. But the scripture also tells us that there's some times in, in life, there's some times in situations that, that, that we need to be patient. And so fact is, a mark of maturity, uh, emotional maturity and spiritual maturity, is knowing when to be patient. And so James gives us three of them. It's just so fascinating to me. He gives us three of them in this text. And so the first thing he says, he says, when we need to be patient is, it, is when circumstances are uncontrollable. In other words, we need to learn to be patient when, guess what? We can't control the circumstances. How many of you would, would agree with me about this issue? So many of the situations and circumstances that we go through in life, they are uncontrollable. They are outside of, of, of our control. And if, and if we try to control something that's uncontrollable, if we try to keep our thumb on everything, then, it, then it's going to frustrate us and it's going to frustrate them. And so James uses the illustration, just like a good communicator, he uses an illustration that they all could understand. And he begins talking about a farmer, and he begins talking about a farmer and examples of when, when a farmer deals with, with circumstances that, that are beyond his or her control. In verse 7, he says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. In other words, all of a sudden, James starts helping us to understand that part of a farmer's job description is the issue of waiting. I mean, this issue of understanding that there's some things they can't control. And so they, they, they wait to till, they wait to plant, uh, they wait to prune, they, they, they wait to harvest. And so there's a lot of factors that go into waiting. And not only does a, does a, is there factors of waiting, but also waiting on some things that a farmer has no control over. That's why James brings up the issue of the weather. That's why he says, be patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. In other words, waiting on things that we have no control over, whether it's weather, whether it's rain, whether it's the amount of sun the, the earth gets, whether it's, whether it's the heat, whether it's the economy, whether it's labor practices. In other words, that, that if you have to have a certain amount of faith if you're going to be a, be a farmer, and it, 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 takes, it takes patience. In other words, they deal with a lot of uncontrollable factors. We deal in life with a lot of uncontrollable factors in life. fact is, if you went back to like the first hearers of the book of James, then, then you would know in Israel, and Israel's like a desert, and it's, it's a tough place to farm. And so they would get it. They would understand that it takes a lot of faith. It takes a lot of patience in, in areas that we cannot control. I mean, have... Have you, ever, have you ever noticed, and maybe it's just me, that even when you're in a situation that's uncontrollable, we still try to control it? And that's usually when we have impatience. Even when we admit, I cannot control what somebody says, I cannot control, we still try to control it. And here, here's another area that James says when we need to pe be patient. And the second one is this, is when people are unchangeable. 
Man, when people just come to that place, and you know what? You just know they're, they're not going to change. When people just come to that place and say, you know what? We're not going to change it. And so he gives an interesting illustration of the prophets. He says at verse 10, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. So let, let, let's just remember, what are, what are the duties of, of the, like the Old Testament prophets? Well, it was to call people back to God. It was to call people to repent. It was to call people to change. It was to, to call people to turn back to God and to repent and to change their behavior and change some of the things they were, they were doing. And so I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but people tend to resist change. And some, some about it, people just don't like change. And so when you, when you try to make a, like a tiny suggestion... And if you're not careful, people resist that. Now, now listen, th this is a rhetorical question. And so that means, please, please, please do not answer this out loud, okay? I did not give this disclaimer in the 5 o'clock service on, on Saturday night. An individual answered this question out loud with her spouse sitting next to, uh, next to her. And it got awkward when he walked out of the service. And so let's, <laughs> so let's don't do that this morning, okay? So... So let me talk to you about this issue of change. Do you have anybody in your life right now that refuses to change? Just look straight ahead, okay? <laughs> don't flinch. Don't turn to anyone. Don't even change your breathing. You can change your breathing, and that, that will sell you out. I promise you. Do you have anybody in your life right now that, like, refuses to change? Here's another one. Do you know how difficult it is to live with that kind of a person? This is when it went south in the 5 o'clock service, right there. So wouldn't we all admit that we need, we need patience with people? Isn't it interesting? We want people to be patient with us. But sometimes it's difficult for us to be patient with others. And James, James says, and, and here's the interesting thing, and listen, this is, this is, this is, just, this is just totally for free. Um, and so if it blesses you, good. If not, but, but James uses an interesting Greek word for patience with people. Marco thume. It's a compound word. Marco uh, simply means long. Thume means temperature. It's where, we, it's where we get the word thermometer from. It, it comes from that. And what that, what that word means, a long time to get hot. A long time to get angry. In other words, what, what, what James is trying to understand is when we have patience with people, it, we, we have a long fuse. We understand that, guess what, I can't, I can't change anyone. I can't change your decision. I mean, you have to want to change. And so, so James says that all of a sudden, that's when we have to have patience. The, the third area is when we have patience, and this may be one of the most difficult, is when problems are unexplainable. When problems in life are just totally unexplainable. In other words, there's no earthly answer to the problems. I don't know if you've walked through a problem, if you walk through a series of problems in your life to where it, it just doesn't, it does not make any earthly sense to you. It is confusing to you. Why did I have to experience that? Why did I have to walk through that situ situation? Why is this happening to me? And so James uses like a classic example in verse 11. And he says, behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So, so Job was like this Old Testament guy. And there, there's a whole book of the Bible about Job's life. It's fascinating. And Job, Job was like in the Super Bowl of suffering. Fact is, Job wasn't just in the Super Bowl of suffering. Job won the championship. He, he got the ring. He got the trophy. When you look at Job's life, you realize he was in the Super Bowl of suffering. He was a very wealthy man. He had multiple businesses. 
He had multiple homes. He had multiple automobiles and, and everything else. He had a large family, a lot of kids. In fact, is the scripture says that he was one of the most righteous men on the earth. I mean, he went to church. He worshiped. He prayed. He lived out his faith. And then all of a sudden, disaster happened in his life. In a, in a matter of moments, Job like loses everything. I mean, Job loses his job, he, he loses his home, he loses his profession, uh, he loses his businesses, he, he loses his cars and, and everything else. He loses, I mean, he lost his children, then he loses his health. I mean, he had a very painful disease. And you think you got problems? I mean, Job was having like a bad hair day. I mean, in, in a matter of a day, he lost his friends, he lost his family, he lost his fa- finances. He suffered mentally and physically and, and spiritually and, 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 and socially. I mean, he was like this. He was like this outcast in his society. And not only that, Job had no support structure. His wife in the middle of this, she had no patience. She turned to Job and she says, well, why don't you just curse God and die? And his three buddies, his, his three friends, they did well about the first three days of this suffering. And then all of a sudden, they became a negative influence in his life, and they didn't really support him. And when you look at Job's life, in fact, as you can look at it for yourself, you, you can read 37 chapters in the book of Job. And Job's asking why. God never answers. God never gives him a reason. It probably will not be until heaven that Job understood the answer to his problems or why he was going through that. I'm telling you, you and I, when, when we, you and I, when we go through problems and situations in life and it is unexplainable, because listen, there are a lot of things in this life that just does not make sense, right? Wouldn't we all agree? There are a lot of things that are happening in our world that just don't make sense. And maybe we'll understand them in heaven, but Job didn't understand in all, in all of this unexplained problems that Job was going through, here's the amazing thing. We'll unpack it later. Job never lost his faith. He understood. He understood this issue of patience. He understood there's times when we have to be patient, when, the, when, when circumstances are uncontrollable, when people are un, just unchangeable, and when problems that we walk through are unexplainable. In other words, there's just no earthly answer to. And so, so that's, that's, the, that's the why. That's the... That, excuse me, that's the win. And so the why to be patient, uh, Job unpacks that as well. He gives us, you know, just like any, any good preacher and communicator, he gives us three points with three sub points in each one. And so Job says, so, so why to be patient? The first one is this. One of the reasons why we're patient is because we know that God is in control. We understand, we know that ultimately God is in control. Verse eight, he said, you also be patient, command. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at, at hand. And just real quickly, James, <coughs> three times James talks about the second coming of the Lord. He reminds them that Jesus is coming back. That's the ultimate proof that, that God is in control and nothing can stop that. Listen, here's the interesting thing. The Bible talks two to three times more about the second coming of Jesus than the first coming. And James is trying to help them understand, guess what? The Messiah is coming back. Jesus is coming back to right the ship. Jesus is coming back to judge the world. And he is in control. And guess what? Nothing can stop that. In other words, God is in control of history. We may not understand it because history is really like, like his story, that it's about him. 
Uh, he has it all planned out. Everything's on schedule for him. And God is in control. And listen, let me, let me just help you with this. God's purpose for your life is greater than any problem you're facing right now. God's purpose for my life and God's purpose for your life is greater than any problem that you're facing right now. A lot of times God uses those problems in my life and your life to deepen us, to grow us, to mature us, to help us understand that we can, we can trust him. When the world and the foundations of this world is shaking, then we can stand on him, the firm foundation, and we can put our trust in him. The Phillips translation of this, this verse renders this verse this way, and I love how it renders it. It says, resting your hearts on the ultimate certainty. In other words, having patience and coming to this place of understanding that God is control, that I can rest my heart on the certainty of God, that he's in control. And although I cannot control everything, guess what? God can. And as a result of that, I, I trust him because God is in control. He's working everything out, and he has a plan. You look at Job's, Job's life, and Job continued to pers persevere because he understood that God's timing was perfect, and he could, he could trust God. Another reason why that we should, we should be patient is this, is because God rewards patience. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the scripture says that God rewards our patience because our patience shows our trust and our faith in him. Verse 11, he unpacks it this way. He says, behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. You have seen the purposes of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Now listen, in my, in my old school leather-bound Bible, that word blessed is like, like circled and asterisked. And in my version app, I, I have it like highlighted in a special color because I don't want to miss that. And all of a sudden, he says, he says, hey, guess what? God will bless you for your patience. How did that play out in Job's life? Amazing. Fact is, Job's life, God blessed Job double after the tragedy than before the tragedy. Job's life was blessed in greater degree after the tragedy because of, because of his patience. In other words, what James is saying is there's a blessing that comes on the person that remains patient. There, in other words, he's saying it pays to be, be patient, and there's all, kinds, there's all kinds of rewards. There's all kinds of rewards when we understand this, when we go through problems. I mean, your, your character grows, you develop endurance, you develop perseverance, uh, you, learn, you learn to get along with people a lot better because you realize, hey, buddy, I, I can't change you, I, I can't change what you say, I can't change what you do. And so as a result of that, you understand and you get along with people better, you begin to reach some of your goals. In other words, what James is trying to help us understand is that there's a benefit to being patient. Jesus put it this way in Mark chapter 5, verse, or Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be, be hidden. In other words, this, when, when people put you down, when people criticize you, learn to be patient with them because, because what Scripture says, there's going to be a reward in heaven for you. There is a natural tendency that we have in our flesh, Right? That if someone hits us, we want to hit back. If someone strikes us, we want to strike back. We want to retaliate. We want to get revenge. We want to take matters into our own hand. When criticized, we want to criticize back. When insulted, we want to insult back. Re <coughs> revenge and retaliation are like a natural thing for us. It's the opposite. What Scripture says, it's the opposite of patience. And James says, the next time someone criticizes you, 
the next time one strikes you, when the next time someone hits you, think about this. Is it worth it? Is it worth giving up a reward that I'm going to receive in heaven because of my patience? I'm going to, I'm going to receive that reward and have that reward a lot longer in heaven than I would with some momentary pleasure of revenge. Because revenge is never enough. Revenge never is enough. A revenge always leaves you wanting more. And so what James says is that we have to come to the place and learn to be patient. And, and, and the reason is, is because God rewards it. Here's, here's another one. One of the reasons that we should be patient is, is this, is, is God is working everything out. God is working everything out. God is, God is working behind the scenes, just like with the farmer, right? With a farmer, that God is working behind the scenes. He's the one that's making the seed grow. He's the one that is watering the ground. He's the one that is producing that harvest. Even though the farmer cannot see what is happening below the surface, God is like working it out. Verse 11, it says, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purposes of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. In other words, God is working it out. God was working it out with the farmer. God was working it out with Job, even though he couldn't see it. Yes, it seemed like denial. And I just tell you this, and this is real, real important for us to remember. Delay does not mean denial. Delay doesn't, listen, delay, delay in your prayer request, delay in the answer coming from God, delay does not mean denial. There's a big difference between no and not yet. And when you look at this in Scripture, you realize that, that guess what? God is doing something in our life. He is preparing us for an answer. There's, there's a famous story of a preacher, Phillips Brooks, and, and he was in a century ago, and he was an older guy, of course. And, and, he's, in his, and he's in his office. His assistant comes in, and he's pacing, and he's Phillips Brooks. Pastor Brooks is like angry and mad and pacing back and forth. His assistant says, you know, what, what is wrong? And, and he says, I'll tell you what is wrong. I'm in a hurry, and God is not. You ever felt like that in life? You're, you're in a hurry for an answer. God, I, I need the answer like today. I want the answer tomorrow. And you feel like God is not in a hurry. But, but here's a principle. When, when, while I am waiting, God is working. God was working behind the scenes in Job's life. God may be and is working behind the scenes in your life. And we have to come to that place to where we just, we just trust him. And so James helps us about this issue of when to be patient, why to be patient, and now he walks in and says, well, well, how do we do this? How do we accomplish this? How do we become patient? So it, it like changes our life, changes the way we view problems, changes the way we view, view people. The first thing that James would say is we have to wait expectantly. In other words, when we wait, we are expecting an answer. We're expecting a harvest. We're expecting God to do something. Verse 7, again, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth? Be patient about it until it receives the early and the light and the, and, and the late rains. In other words, like a, like a farmer, I mean, I must expect a harvest. What does a farmer do when he's waiting? Like does nothing, sit around the farmhouse and, and stream Hulu or Netflix and binge watch their favorite movies and all of that stuff? No, absolutely not. You know what a farmer's doing? A farmer is working. He is preparing for the harvest. He is preparing for what has come. In other words, waiting in my life and waiting in your life is a time for preparation, which shows our expectation. We demonstrate our expectation by our preparation. 
In other words, we get ready for the answer in advance. That's why Psalm 130 verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And, his word, and, and in his word, I hope. So wait. Let me just ask you a question. What are you waiting on God for right now? Maybe to heal a long-term illness. Transform a marriage. Transform a relationship. Reduce some or reverse some financial problems in your life. Reach a friend for Christ. Reach a teenager. Reach a child. Do you really expect him? I'm telling you, do you really expect him to do that? The way you re- wait reveals that. Where you're waiting of expectation. Expectation when God's going to send the answer. Expectation when God's going to take care of the situation. I mean, where you, it demonstrates your faith. I mean, the way that we prove that we, that, that we are expecting God to do something in our life is the way in which we, in which we, we, we wait. I mean, if, if the answer came today, would you be ready for it? I don't know if you've learned this, but I've learned this in my life. Many times I'm waiting on God, and you know what God's doing? God's waiting on me. He's waiting on me to mature. He's waiting on me to grow up. He's waiting on me to forgive. He's waiting on me to trust. He's waiting on me to deepen in his word. He's waiting on me to do something so then he can bless me, so then he can take me to the next level. In other words, that many times it's like, I want to bless you, but, but you cannot handle the blessing I'm going to pour on you. You've got to get ready. You've got to prepare. Just like, a, just like a farmer, a farmer prepares for the harvest. A farmer expects God to do something even when he can't see it. Another thing is that when, when, we, when we're waiting, we should, we should wait quietly. This is hard, right? And if we're just honest this morning... A lot of us, if you're like me, we don't mind waiting as long as we can complain about it, right? We'll complain to strangers. We'll complain to Twitter and social media and Instagram and Facebook. I mean, we don't mind waiting as long as we can complain about it. If they don't have enough registers open at the, at, at, at the store, we'll turn, to, we'll turn to, to people in line with us. Can you believe this? Did they not expect this would be rush hour? Can you imagine? Can you believe? Who would think of rebooting all of the self-checkout line or registers all at the same time? That's ridiculous to me. See, we don't mind waiting as long as we can complain about it. Watch how, watch how James unpacks this. So fascinating. He says, so there's two things that we got to avoid. Verse 9, when you're waiting, do not grumble against one another. Isn't it interesting that he talks about grumbling in the middle of waiting? You know why? Because it's hard to wait quietly. It's hard to wait quietly when you're frustrated. When you're frustrated, you, we, we, want, we want everybody in life to know about it. And, and we, we come to that place that if, if we're not careful, this is why it causes tension in families, okay, in relationships. Because when all of a sudden, when you're waiting on God to do something, when you're going through an un, un, uh, unchangeable set of circumstances, a person that will not change, unexplained circumstances, all of those other things, if you're not careful, you will grumble against each other. You'll turn inwards. You'll begin blaming each other because you feel like you got to blame someone for your problem, blame someone for waiting, or blame someone for this situation we're going through. You know, I like the English Bible. The English Bible says this, don't blame your troubles on one another. Understand, that's why you got to understand your problems. 
There's something about us. We just want to complain to someone. That's why marriages and relationships and friendships, churches can have problems with this. When they're waiting on God to do something, if they're not careful, they will turn inward and grumble against each other. So the question is, do you you rise and whine? I worked hard on that one, and you just looked at me. (laughs) They can get cheesier. Do you hit the ground griping? If you come home dog-tired, it's because you've growled all day. It's not going to get any better. <laughs> there, there's that, that person one time asked this, asked this woman. Uh, she was just happy all the time. And, and she, he, he looked at her and says, hey, can I ask you something? Do you ever wake up grumpy? She said, no, I just let him sleep. Um, you know. <laughs> so do you just wake up grumpy? And, and so, so James says, don't grumble against one another. So, so here's the second thing that he warns us about in, 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 in waiting. Verse 12, but above all, my brothers, do not swear. And interesting, he talks about our speech. He talks about the words that we use. There's something about us. So listen, I'm telling you, we don't mind waiting as long as we can complain about it. We don't mind waiting as long as there's someone that we can blame. And that's what makes it so frustration, frustrating when, when you're dealing with someone that can't ch- or won't change or you're dealing with a circumstance that you can't change or you're dealing with a problem that, guess what, there's no answer to, that all of a sudden, if you're not careful, that's when families and relationships begin to go south. And so James begins helping us understand, understand that, get that. And so when you go through those moments, don't grumble against one another and then watch your language. Here, here's the last one. Learn to wait confidently. And others learn to wait confidently. Verse 11, behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. You have seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and and merciful. So here's the amazing thing about Job's life. Listen, there's been a lot written about Job and suffering and how to suffer and how to suffer in a godly way. Authors have pointed out so much stuff about Job's life, but for, for, for me personally, this is the most amazing thing of, of Job's life, and it's the question I've had this last week, and I, I think I've answered it, and I'd, I'd like to answer it for you, but, but when, you, when, you, when you look at Job's life, he went through a lot of suffering. And the amazing thing to me is Job never lost his confidence in the Lord. And he dealt with all three of those. Circumstances that couldn't be explained. People that refused to change. I mean, his wife continued to just curse God and die, just it's your fault, Job. It's just your fault. Three friends. It's your fault, Job. It's just your fault. There's sin in your life you're not telling us about. People that wouldn't change. Circumstances that couldn't be explained. So I asked myself, what was the secret to Job's life? Because I might would like to know that. Best I can figure in Job's life, when the circumstances look bad, Job looked up. When the circumstances looked bad in his life, Job looked up. Job understood God's a firm foundation. God, Job understood that I can put my trust in him. And just like the farmer that is growing the seed underground that the farmer can't see, Job understood that, you know what, I trust God to be working things, all things out for my good. If I will continue to trust him. If I will continue to expect him, 
to do something in my life. That's why I think it's so important this morning that we take communion together as a church family. 